All right, well, we are starting a new series today called Unbelievable, that we know we celebrate Christmas, that we have hope for a meaningful, never-ending life because God stepped in and did the unbelievable. Now, there's lots of things that happen in our world that seem to defy logic and reason. Things that seem unbelievable, things that seem impossible, things that even when I see it with my own two eyes, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it and believe. And over the last 150 years or so, our world, especially in the Western part of the world and our culture, we've moved in a direction where we are hesitant at best to believe anything that we can't explain fully with human reason and logic. Now, to some extent, that's a good thing. As far as it pushes us to test everything that we read or see or hear about and to test it against truth. But here's the one problem with that mindset in life is that almost everything in life that we believe has a measure of faith. I mean, really, even the small things. When you got up this morning and you turned on the water, you had faith that that water was going to turn on. When you got in the shower, you had faith that there was going to be hot water. When you got in the car this morning and you drove here, you did that based on faith. If you've ever gotten in an airplane, oh my word, you, you did that based on faith. Uh, when you sat down in a chair this morning, you did that based on faith. Everything that we do has a measure of faith. And, and here's what we really need to wrestle with is the biggest things of our lives, what we build our life around, what we look for to give our life meaning and purpose and satisfaction is built on faith. And one of the most difficult, heartbreaking things in my life is when I see someone that I love and care about center their life around something that I know can't fulfill. And so there's a big question, three big questions actually, that I want to encourage you to ask yourself if you're centering your life around something based on faith that it's going to give you meaning and purpose and fulfillment. I want you to measure it against these three questions. And these are not in your bulletins. You may want to write these down. Here's the first question is, does this give me peace. Because if it doesn't give you peace, who wants to have more anxiety, more stress, more worry, more fear? All right, none of us do. So if it doesn't give you peace, why are you centering your life around that on faith? The second question, does it give me purpose? If it doesn't bear meaning and, and fulfillment in my life, if it doesn't give a direction and a target for my life, why would I center my life around that? Does it give me peace? Does it give, it give me purpose? And then does it offer me life? Does it make me have a life worth living? Does it fill me with joy and hope? Uh, does it give me any sense of future beyond what I see here and now? And here's why I think these three questions are so very important for us as we wrap our lives around uh, anything uh, any kind of pursuit based on faith, whether it's a job or a relationship or a hobby or uh, a belief system, all of those, by the way, are based on a certain amount of faith. Whenever we do that, the reason we need to ask these questions, does it bring me peace? Does it give me purpose? Does it give me life? Is because these are the three things that sin robs us of in life. 
Our brokenness, our sin, our rebellion and rejection and separation from God are robbing us of peace, of purpose and life. And whatever we wrap our lives around and pursue for meaning and purpose in life has to be able to deal with the problem of sin because it's robbing us of those things. But what we should know, what we've all felt in a moment at least and and experienced is that sin itself for us is an impossible problem. No matter how hard we try, No matter whether you believe all the right things or not, sin is a problem that you and I cannot deal with because we're living under the weight of it and it is against a holy, eternal God that we we cannot deal with that problem. And so thankfully, we have a God who did the unbelievable. He did the impossible. He stepped into the world to deal with the impossible problem of sin. And he's inviting us to center our life not around a job, not around a relationship, not around a hobby, not even around a belief system, but to center our lives around the one who came into the world to do the unbelievable. The one who can offer peace, the one who can offer purpose, the one who can offer life. Are we willing to base our lives around that? So we're going to look at this person that God came into the world in a human body to do the unbelievable. And we're going to be asking ourselves the question, what is it that is purposeful and meaningful and life-giving about this birth? Or we can say it this way. Why is it that Jesus was born? Why didn't God do it some other way? Why didn't God just, do, you know, wave a magic wand and say, all right, you're forgiven? You know, wh- why did God say that he had to do it this way? And we're going to explore that through this series. Why is it that Jesus was born? And here's what we're going to discover. First, we're going to find out that he was born to show us God. That in Jesus, we have a full revelation of who God is, his character, his attributes, his heart. His design and purpose and will for you and me and for creation. All centered on and found in the person of Jesus. The second thing we're going to discover is that he was born to be a sacrifice. That in Jesus, we're going to find out next week that he was fully divine and fully human. Neither compromised. He doesn't switch from one to the other. And that character, that nature of Jesus was so very important because he dealt with a human problem of sin with a divine power to overcome and became a sacrifice for you and me. The third thing we're going to discover is that Jesus was born to give us a path that in the life and ministry and teaching of Jesus, we discover a way of life that leads us to peace and purpose and life that leads us into eternity with God. We're going to discover that why was Jesus born? He's born to fill us with joy. That even though hard things happen in this life and difficult things, and maybe we carry burdens with us through the rest of our lives until we get to heaven, we know that God overcomes. There's victory in Jesus. And because of that, we can have a joy that does not depend on the happenings or circumstances around us. And then finally, we're going to discover that Jesus was born to offer hope. I've said this so many times because I believe with my whole heart is that as Jesus followers, we have to have a relentless grip on hope. 
that we never, ever, ever give up. And we're going to explore that as we wrap up this series. But here's what I want us to see for today. We're going to start here at the beginning. Is that Jesus was born for us. And because of Jesus, I can see God. If you want to have a clear picture, I mean, who here today, who watching online would, would say in, in an honest moment, I really wish I understood God a little bit better. I, I wish that I could understand what he's doing and why he's doing and what his truth is. Well, God gives us a window. He gives us a way. If I want to see God, I need to get to know him. I need to trust Jesus. If I want to see God, look at Jesus. And we have a, a perfect picture to look at. So that's where we're at today. So let's start with scripture. We're going to be in John chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man who was sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Because the one who created the world, the one whose scripture says to us, knows the stars and calls them by name, who imagined life and brought it together, who breathed life into us, who numbered our days, who knows all things, that God who created all stepped into the world for your sake and my sake that we could have hope, we could have life, we could have Eternity with God, forgiven and set free from our sin. And he moved into our world so that we could know him. All right, so I asked the question, how many of you want to know God just a little bit better? I certainly do. And here's the key. To know God, get to know Jesus. To know God, get to know Jesus. Look at what John wrote, the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This word, it, it, this is logos in the Greek. It, it means a personification of thought, a, an embodiment of thought that comes to being. It ties into Genesis 1 where God spoke everything into being. 
and refers here to the person of Jesus. And it tells us that this word, the, the manifestation of who God is in the world, this man, Jesus, fully God, fully man, was God and was with God in the beginning. In other words, God loves you and he loves me so very much that he stepped into our world that we can have a face to see, a voice to hear, a life to experience, to understand the heart and the nature of God. Emmanuel, God with us, he stepped into our creation so that we could see God perfectly and clearly. But here's the problem for you and for me is that we tend to look at God, at least in our culture, as if we're looking into a mirror. And we see in that mirror the reflection of all the things that we already are. And we tend to think of God that way, that God is just a better version of me, that God is a better reflection of what I already believe and think and want just without the problem of sin. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, God is not just a better version of you. And he's not just a better version of me. And he doesn't reflect what I already think that I believe or what I want or how I view the world. See, Jesus did not come to just affirm us and make us feel comfortable. Jesus came to challenge us so that we could be free from the things that we embed ourselves in that are stealing life from us and bring us out of that into life. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, guess what? You've got to die to yourself. You've got to take up your cross. You've got to leave everything that you thought was and thought you wanted and come follow me by what? Faith. You've got to believe the unbelievable and come after me. And, and that's what Jesus did. So Jesus might want to make us a little uncomfortable today. And in that vein, let's just, let's be a little uncomfortable for a second. You know what? Jesus is not a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian. Jesus is not rooting for your football team. He's not saying hell state or go Ole Miss or go Memphis, go Tigers or anything else. He's not rooting for one people group over another. He is the king of his own kingdom. And nothing else competes with that. It is his agenda and his alone. And so much of the time we want to we manipulate him and pull him into our agenda. And God says that's not the way this works. He came to challenge us in, in what we think we believe and what we think we want. That we could step into his kingdom. And so for a lot of us, we've we got to be real careful about the way we view Jesus and not read into him, but let him read us. Like, Jesus, how do you want to transform me? How can I wrap my life around your life, not the other way around? And so there's a couple of things that we've got to really watch out for when we look at the life of Jesus. And the first is I got to be really careful that I don't come to him with presuppositions of what I already believe, and then I try to read it into the life of Jesus. That is a major problem for the church in the West today, as we're taking what we want to be, and we're reading it into Jesus, and let it, instead of letting Jesus challenge us in what we want. And we're not exempt from that, brothers and sisters. It is so easy for us to point fingers at, at, at the churches and believers and world that we think haven't messed up, and forget that Jesus wants to challenge us too. 
And so be careful of those presuppositions that we come to Christ with. And the second thing we've got to be so very careful is that we don't let our, our, belief, our behaviors and habits direct the way we see Jesus. We, we've talked about this before, but let me just bring it up again. Most of the time, if there's a conflict with, between the way I believe and the way I behave, nine times out of ten, I'll choose the way I behave and change my belief. That is the, the way of the world today. And we cannot come to Christ and letting our behavior and habits drive our belief. We've got to let his life challenge us. Because if you want to see God, you need to get to know Jesus. Not who you want him to be, but who he is. All right, so if Jesus reveals to us who God really is, then what do we see of God through Jesus? Well, I want to lift up three things for us that we see in John 1 of what Jesus reveals to us about who God is. As God is with us, it should reveal something about who that God is. Well, what is that? Well, here's the first thing, is that Jesus shows us God's power, his amazing ability to do the unbelievable, his amazing ability to do the impossible in the world that he created. Let's take a look at what John says. John chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, and then we'll look at verse 10. Through him, meaning Jesus, through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Can we wrestle with this for a second? That even when I don't recognize what Jesus is doing, even when I don't recognize the way God is, is interwoven in my world and in the world and how he's at work and he's transforming things, even if I don't see it, that does not mean that he is not able. So much of the time, my anxiety and fear and worry where I don't see God makes me believe that he is unable to do it, but God is able. Why? Because through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. All the world. Think about that old children's song. He's got the whole world in his hands. The whole life of Jesus, starting with this miraculous birth, is a witness and a testimony and evidence of God's power that God is able. A miraculous virgin birth marked by signs in the skies. An unbelievable knowledge. They said Jesus was one that taught with authority. He astounded the priests. He astounded the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of law. He did miraculous things. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. He rose people from the dead. He walked on water. He calmed the storms. He fed the thousands. Over and over and over again, Jesus did the impossible. He did the unbelievable. And that God who was is the God who is. It's the God who will be. He does not change. And he is able to move in your life too. Now, here's the thing. Listen. I'm not exempt from this. I know fear and anxiety and worry as much as anybody. I've battled anxiety in my life since I was a preteen. And there are many days where I wake up and I wonder in my heart, even though I might know with my mind, I wonder in my heart, is God able to deal with this today? 
And many of us are in that place. You're asking the question, can he deal with this? Will he deal with this? And sometimes when we're in that moment when our heart doesn't match up with our head, even though we know who God is, we're feeling the weight and the hurt and the pain and the fear and the worry and the anxiety, we might just in that moment need to speak some truth to our heart and say, yes, God is able. He has power and ability and he moves. I've seen it before and I'll see it again. He is the God of miracles. Even when it is impossible, God can move. Here's a question. Do I believe it? Do I really believe it? Not for somebody else, but for me. That God is powerful. Here's the second thing that Jesus shows us. Is that Jesus shows us God's love. His amazing love for us. Look at what John writes. Verse 1, chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him... To those who believed in his name, I love this, he gave the right to become children of God. Isn't that beautiful? Not just that he forgives, not just that he invites, but in his love he says, you're my child. One of my, my most important verses to me in my life has been 1 John chapter 3, and he says, see what love the Father has for us that we should be called children of God. This is love that God has for us. That he says, you belong to me. But again, do we believe it? See, Jesus has more than pity for you. Some of us might be able to believe that, that God has pity for us. He sees our condition. The scripture is full of Jesus having compassion for us. That he cares for us. But what I want to tell you is it's more than just pity or compassion. It's even more than that, that deep level of compassion that God has for us. He is longing for us. That while he knew what it would cost him when he laid the foundations of the earth, that we would reject him and that he'd have to send his son into the world, even then he created it knowing that he would give his life for you and me because he longs to be with us. God doesn't just act in love. God is love. He can't help it. It's who he is. And I love the, this pattern of Jesus as he walks through the gospels. He walked in life in a real body, God with us through this 30 something years of the first century. And over and over and over again, he gave an invitation for people to do life with him. He would say, come follow me. Come be a part of what I'm doing. And he did it with this incredible love. He healed the sick and he rose the dead in this incredible act of love. And as we walk through that, we see two different responses of the people who interacted with Jesus. One response is what we'd hope for all of us is that some people received him and they received that love and they believed what might for many of us seem unbelievable. They believed that, that there was a God who could love them. But then there was a second response that maybe we're a little too familiar with at certain moments in our life where some people rejected him. I think about the rich young ruler. Sometimes we read that story and we think that Jesus came with condemnation because of his wealth. No, Jesus invited that young man to follow him. And what happens to the young man because of his great wealth? He went away sad. Unable, unable to believe that he could do what Jesus asked him to do. 
unable to believe that he could step into the life that Jesus was inviting him into in love. And many of us have rejected that invitation, at least in certain moments of our life that, well, I've got to deal with this or Jesus can't love me or I've got to fix this or he can't really love me. Or maybe we got people in our life that because we struggle to love them, it's hard for us to believe that God loves them. And there's three things that will be huge barriers to us in fully stepping into the love that God has for us. And I want to lift these up to you because there's such a danger for us. Problem number one is when we focus on behavior over faith. Now, behavior is important. It's a, a sign of a transformed life, but faith must always precede behavior. There's no amount of good behavior that will ever get us into heaven. No amount of good behavior that will ever join us to God is saved by grace and faith in Christ alone. And many of us in the world, we've twisted it somehow. And, and we, even as we tell ourselves that we were saved by faith, we focus on behavior instead of focusing on faith and letting the faith transform our lives. A second problem that many of us will face is the problem of pride. And we've talked about this before. Pride has two faces. On one side, it's arrogance. On the other side, it's insecurity. Some of us, we want to get into heaven, but because of our arrogance, we don't want Jesus to get involved in our lives. And we're like, Jesus, I got this. I will handle this. I will figure this out. I'll see you when I get to heaven. And Jesus says, that's not the point. I want to be Lord, not just your forgiver. I want to be involved and transform your life. And Jesus said, when we get to the end, many will call out to him and say, let me tell you what I did for you. And God's going to say, I don't know you. Because it's all or nothing. I'm your Lord and Savior or nothing. But many of us, it's the other side of that coin. It's the insecurity. And we say, well, God couldn't love me. God can't fix this. And, and many of us, even as we believe we're getting into heaven, we, we give up on the transformation that God wants to do in our life. And we're just like, well, I'm a sinner. That's just the way it is. I'm just going to live my life this way. And Jesus was saying, did you not realize the gift that has been given to you in the Holy Spirit that can change your life? Listen to me. It's not about you anyway. Get out of the way and let God do what God wants to do. And so we have the problem of pride. And then some in our world just outright reject him and say, it's not for me. Three barriers that will destroy our relationship with God. Make it impossible for us to believe that God really loves us. Do you believe it? Not just with your mind, but in your heart. Do you really believe that God loves you? And then the third thing that we discover is that Jesus shows us God's glory. He shows us the amazing glory and majesty of God. Look at verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his what? His glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This is uh, brothers and sisters, this is what we try to hold together at, at Getwell Church. It's the reality of both grace and truth. Not one without the other, but the both together because it's who Jesus is. And we're going to see this just in, in just a moment in his birth. The way Jesus held together grace and truth. So God... 
His glory is revealed to us through his son, Jesus. Now, what is glory? Glory means that he is above, he is beyond, he is greater than all other things. And here's the wonderful thing about God's glory is that God's glory magnifies all the other attributes of God. You want to talk about his love? It's greater because of his glory. You want to talk about his majesty? It's greater because of his glory. His power is greater because of his glory. His truth is greater because of his glory. His knowledge is greater because of his glory. It is magnified because of the nature of who God is. And what I long for us as followers of Jesus is to worship God because he is God and not because of what he does for me in my life. That's glory. I heard the statement years ago by Pastor Terry Teichel, who's still on this stage, and he said, the mark of maturity of a, of a Jesus follower is that we are seeking the face of God and not just the hand of God. We seek his glory. I love this. Can we put verse 14 back up on the screen? Look at this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This word dwelling is the word tent. So he took on flesh, he became a human. He, he dwelled in his tent. You might say his tabernacle, if we think back to the Old Testament. Now what did the tent signified in the Old Testament, it was the presence of God. It was the glory of God. So much so that in the tabernacle and later the temple, you could not enter because the glory of God was present. And in Jesus, we got to hold hands with the glory of God. I love at the end of his life when he died on the cross, it said the curtain that separated the glory of God from the rest of the temple was torn from bottom to top, opening the way for us to enter into God's presence. Do you understand that God loves you so much that he gave his son, God is with us, Emmanuel, that we could have a face to see, a voice to hear, a life to experience, that we could know God. We got to see in the scriptures and those who witnessed it got to see with their own eyes and we get to experience by the power of the Holy Spirit things that the Old Testament prophets and saints only could dream about. And we take it for granted. And we get wrapped up in Christmas trees and garland and presents and, and meals and parties and songs. When we have Emmanuel, God with us, if you want to get to know God, get to know Jesus. And I promise you, as you wrap your life around him, you will see peace and purpose and life. And because of the magnification of Jesus in your life, the peace will be greater, the purpose will be greater, the life will be more lasting. The reason that we are so often dissatisfied with the things of this life is because they are not meant to satisfy. Only the glory of God. And so my question for all of us is what is the impossible or the unbelievable hurdle or, or event or circumstance in your life 
Or to say it this way, where do you need God to move in your life? Do you need a move of God's power? Do you need a move uh, of God's love? Do you need a move of God's glory? And what we've seen in God as he reveals his character is that he is a God who does not stay distant. He is a God who steps into our world. He wants to step into your world. It is devastating to many Christians in in our world that we say a prayer and, and we wanna go to heaven and then we keep him at arm's length the rest of our life. Please don't let it be so. You are missing out. Let him step into your world. Let him be God with you. And next month, we're going to spend a whole month talking about the power of prayer. And I'm just going to tease it up right now. Is that prayer is powerful and real and it moves the heart of God. It is an invitation that he's given. So I want to ask us to enter into a, a time of prayer right now. And I'm going to ask you to do two things. Whether you need a move of God's power or God's love or God's glory, I'm going to ask you to pray specifically. And I want to ask you to pray expectantly for God to move. It is the heart of God to step into your world. I'm telling you, we have seen it. Many of us, if we open this platform, we could have all afternoon of testimonies of how God stepped in and moved. And so I'm gonna pray for us if you'll stand and we're gonna sing one more song. And listen, if you're at home watching or in the car, You can pray right there where you are. If you're in this room, you can pray in your seat or you can come to these uh, kneeling rails, these prayer rails. And we're gonna pray specifically, God, here's what I need. I need a move of your power. There's something I can't deal with. God, I need a move of your love. I am broken and hurting. I I need your compassion to move in my life. Or God, I need to see your glory. I'm battling doubt. I'm battling fear. I'm battling insignificance. God, I'm lost in a life that's not bringing any purpose. I need to see your glory. Pray specifically, and then I'm asking you to pray with faith. Pray expectantly. Listen, faith is not some fairy tale. It's not magic. Our whole life is built on things of faith. But is the thing that you're building your life of faith around, I'm going to ask it one more time. Is it bringing you peace? Is it bringing you purpose? Is it bringing you life? Because there's one who can do all of those things. So let's come to the Lord. Let's pray specifically. Pray expectantly. God, come and move. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, God with us. Thank you for his love, his power, his glory, his revelation of you. God, thank you that you love us so much that you you invited us in by coming to us rather than waiting for us to be able to come to you. We celebrate the birth of Christ because we know the miraculous nature of it. We know the truth of it. God, we know that in his birth, you held together grace and truth. God, the the majesty, the truth of who he is as king of kings, as as the magi came and met him, Lord, and the grace as he came to serve and the shepherds came and bowed. Thank you, Lord. We can never deserve it or earn it. Help us to receive it. And we pray that you would transform our lives in it, God. And I I don't know what it is that each of our lives, Lord, I know what it is for me, but I don't know what it is for every individual here, Lord, but you do. It, It could be a move of power or love or glory or maybe all three. We have needs, we we have things that we're desperate for. Show your face to us in these circumstances around our lives. 
And we worship you, God, not just because of what you do, but because of who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.